Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 95, and we've got a guest on the line. We've got Tom Flacco, a Towson quarterback and 2020 NFL Draft prospect. Tom, how you doing, man? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Just working out, right? Just doing a little bit of yoga and stuff. It's an exciting time right now for you, getting ready for the NFL draft, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an exciting time. It's some time where you focus on one thing, you know, so it's really nice. It's kind of, it's definitely, it's been fun. Uh, Where are you currently training? Uh, Tell me about the training facility. Where are you at? I'm in, um, like, Central Jersey, right by, in uh, Test Football Academy. And um, it's a great facility. They have indoor stuff that you can do. You know, you work on your 40 times. And they have places to go for all the receivers. So it's been great. And um, close to home, about an hour away from where I live. So I can still go home and get some home-cooked meals on the weekends if I choose to. But, um, yeah, it's in Central Jersey, Test Football Academy. And I'm, uh, my quarterback workout is Tony Rossiope. He's a great, great guy who knows a lot about football. And I've been learning a lot about the mechanics of football, but also – the game of football, the after the nose of the NFL, so it's been great. Uh, Tom, what are the biggest attributes that you bring to the table as a signal caller? Well, I think that I can, I can run an offense. I can. I think I, I have the capability, the talent, and the arm strength to run an NFL offense. You know, I'm smart enough to be able to understand the concepts and be able to run the run an NFL offense. But also, I have that athleticism that can kind of transfer over to the NFL that. You know, the guys like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, a lot of guys, even Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's always creating plays after the play. You know, that that second play was in a play where he scrambles and he's able to find someone someone open. So I think that's what I, I bring to the table, someone that can run the offense that you're trying to do, but at the same time do more things and be super dynamic at making their offense un- unstoppable. So uh, what NFL quarterback would you compare yourself to? I don't know. I, people, I don't really like comparing myself to any of the quarterbacks. You know, There's, I see differences. I, I don't really watch them as much. I'm trying to watch them as much as I can. And but I mean, I really don't have any comparison. I think I'm Tom Flacco. I'm a different than anyone else in the league. Just like everyone else, that Russell Wilson was different at the time he was coming out. You know, people want to compare me to the shorter guys, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, but they're two different quarterbacks. They're similar heights, but they're completely different in what they do. So I don't think that I'm. You know, I don't think I'm, I want to compare myself to anyone. What uh, what do you think is the key to playing the quarterback position in the NFL? Just, I think, like I said, just the ability to understand everything that's going on, but also these guys are making split decisions, you know, really quickly. They're able to make great reads and in a very quick time period. So I think that's really what is the difference between these guys. Obviously, they have this the talent. That's kind of like a prereq, you know, being able to throw the ball. You know, that's all kind of prerequisite to being an NFL quarterback, which is kind of dissecting a defense, dissecting what you're trying to do against that defense, find the weaknesses. And then every quarterback and a really good talent to have is anticipation, and I think that's what a lot of these guys have. They anticipate things really well, and they throw the ball. Great. Uh, you played in the Tropical Bowl All-Star Game in Daytona Beach. How would you de- describe that overall experience? Uh, it was an awesome experience. You know, the Tropical Bowl was the first experience I've had, you know, in, in the pre, you know, the the post-college career. You know, it was an awesome step. I started talking to the NFL teams. I met with a bunch of scouts. That's kind of the best thing, you know, that is the Tropical Bowl allows you to do. You know, those guys come to practices, but you never talk to them. So to finally talk to them, they get to know who I am. I get to know who they are. You know, it was really awesome down there. And, of course, you go down there and practice for two days and you play. That's just a chance to kind of run around, see how you, see how you can throw it as a quarterback, see how the other guys run, and um, the game. You know, it's a competition. You're competing, so it's cool to be down there. It's an awesome experience. I can't be any more grateful for what the Tropical Bowl did for me in my first step of post college. Uh, you won your last college football game. I mean, you threw for 173 yards and two touchdowns during the game. Surprised you didn't win the MVP award? No, the guy who won it, I'm actually working with uh, – I'm, I'm working out with Dan Tucena, who won the overall MVP. And, no, nah, I mean, you could have – do I think you could have picked one or the other? I don't care. 
I won the offensive MVP for my team. He won the overall 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 MVP because he was doing more things. You know, he was out there on special teams. He was, and the guy had two touchdowns for big, you know, big touchdowns. How can you take that away from a wide receiver? So, I don't think uh, I definitely wasn't surprised. I was just whatever. You know, I, was, I think it could have gone to either one of us. And like I said, I got the other the offensive MVP, so I can't. Doesn't really matter. I think he deserved it. Are you disappointed that you didn't get an invite to the scouting combine? You look at that list. Do you have a chip on your shoulder now? No, I have a chip on my shoulder for many reasons. Um, but I was definitely, yeah, I was definitely disappointed that I didn't get an invite. I think just because it would have given me another opportunity to go out there and show what I'm capable of and show my talent. And then they can also compare me to guys that they might have higher on their board or people who are on their board, you know. So it would have been nice to go there and, Compete, not compete with those guys, but just kind of be around them, see, you know, compare myself with them, and more importantly, just kind of get around teams and have another opportunity to be seen. Because that's one of the big things now is just kind of think coming out. Maybe I'm trying to think of things that maybe you know why I didn't get in there, but it's, you can't really think about that. You just got to keep working out, and I know when my time comes, I'll be ready. Tom, obviously your big day is going to be the pro day. That, that's going to be your your biggest interview. Uh, when will it take place, and what do you plan to show NFL teams on that day? Well, my pro day is on March 27th down in Towson, so that's when it is. And then what I plan to show is I'm trying to just – I don't like I said, I think maybe the thing against me, maybe, maybe it's my arm strength. I don't know. And uh, I just want to be able to show them that I can throw balls on time, get the ball to make any throw in the NFL that you need me to do so I can run your offense. So that's what I'm really going to do on Pro Day. I'm going to be able to show that my arm strength during the workout, but then also get in interview rooms and get on the board and show them how smart I am in a, you know, in a, in a classroom setting. Obviously, you're going to show them that you're a big-time athlete. I know you played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. You were actually drafted by the Phillies. You played baseball at Towson. Talk about that, just being a, an athlete at the quarterback position. Uh, just like what I said, just being an athlete, I think playing three sports really helps you in anything that you're going to do. You're just more athletic, and you know things, and your 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 competitive spirit is high. So I've, I've been I've been in a competitive atmosphere my whole life, so I think that it just helps me out in every aspect of working out, playing. But like I said, being an athletic quarterback is kind of the new age. You know, coming out six seven years ago, I'd be much different than coming out right now. It's a great time for me to come out in the NFL. They're looking for guys who can run and create that play, so I think I have that attribute. What schools were interested in you out of high school? Like, why did you choose Western Michigan? Um, I had some, like, Western Michigan, why I chose them is because they offered me the gray shirt, and that was, like, at the time, that was a pretty big deal because it allowed me to continue my aspirations for baseball at the time. And, like, a lot of guys, like, a lot of teams, they want your quarterback to get there in January. But um, Western Michigan wanted me to get in January, but the following year, so I kind of took that fall off. So it was definitely the best, like, best situation coming out of high school for me to go to. And also, it was just the best school that offered me. I had some um, SCS offers, like, you know, in the CAA, but I felt like the, the Western Michigan was probably just the best offer that I had. And they also offered me the gray shirt, which is an awesome opportunity for me, so I took it. Why did you decide to leave Western Michigan and, and transfer to Rutgers? And, and what happened at Rutgers? Uh, those are long stories, man. You know, just going into it, they were tough, tough decisions. They really were. You know, they're probably the hardest decisions of my fortunate life. You know, that they're, they're, those were the toughest decisions I've made. But um, just things weren't going as, as, as I wanted them to is the short answer. And uh, I felt like the best chance for me to play was – transferring and I felt like when I went to Rutgers I thought I was going to have a good opportunity and then when I didn't I decided I needed to get out of there I was pretty pretty low on the death chart at Rutgers so I was like I, I gotta go somewhere where I can play and started looking for schools and Towson ended up contacting me so I visited and I loved it and can't be more grateful for Towson and what they did for me um so after all that why did you transfer to Towson I met with um, the head coach, Rob Ambrose, and his, at the time the offensive coordinator, Jared Ambrose, and just after meeting with them and talking about football and you know, what they want to do with the offense and talking with them, I think that I just kind of saw that they had personality traits that I wanted to be a part of. You know, I, I knew that me and them would have a great relationship, and I knew I was going to have a chance to play, which is obviously the most important thing. So I decided to go there 
based on the just the type of people that they, they were, and um, it was a great it was a great decision. Can you tell me about the Wake Forest game in 2018? You played well in that game. It was a game that put kind of put you on the map. Yeah, um, I think it was like the second game, Mike. You know, the second start that I had. You know, I got to get to go get to go down to Wake Forest, and they were a good team. They had a great defensive line that that year. But um, I can't really tell you. Like, it was 2018, but like I just remember our offense played a pretty, pretty, pretty well in the first half. But we kind of came out in the second half. And we didn't do what we wanted to do, and they ended up beating us. Like I, you said, I played well. Yeah, I think I had pretty good statistics. And but I'm never happy with a loss. You know what I mean? So it was like I said, it was our offense had a good first half. So there were things that we could build upon going on, going into the next couple games at the time. So it was. It wasn't like, oh, we just got killed that way far. So it was more of a, hey, we did some things well. Let's build on that. And then we kind of played pretty well the next coming game. So that's what was the best thing about Wake Forest. Um, so there's a 10-year difference between you and your older brother, Joe Flacco. What can you tell me about him? <laughs> he's my brother. You know, he's 10 years older than me, but there's four four in between us. So we're a really tight-knit family, you know. I'm the youngest of six, five boys, one girl. We, play, we, we played sports throughout my whole life growing up. I, I would play Joe in basketball. Uh, Joe's the man. You know, I grew up being the man. He was – we knew he was – we knew he was capable of playing the NFL. Dude made in the NFL. He had a, had a great career. His career's not over. And um, he's he's the man. I mean, he's, he, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's um, the big dog, and he's pretty – he's my brother, though. You know what I mean? Right, let's do that. Tom, your games couldn't be any more different, though. He's a big part of the football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's I mean, different. You, your, your games are completely different. I mean, he's big, a pocket quarterback with a huge arm, a better athlete than I think people give him credit for, but he still stands in the pocket and delivers the ball. You're a guy that extends plays and makes a lot of throws on the move. So are people surprised they, that Joe is your older brother? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely – one of the first questions people will ask me, ah, oh, like, so where's the height? You know, because Joe's six six, I'm six foot. You know, so like that's that's the one thing that I'll get. But yeah, we're I mean we're different, but we're also pretty similar. You know, I wouldn't say I'm completely far. I'm not I'm not completely not Joe. You know, I think that. And like I like what you said, people don't realize how athletic he is. He's not. Go look at his timeline numbers. He did pretty well. Um, Joe's just different. He's tall and he knows what he knows what he can do really well, and that's to make decisions and sit in that pocket. And that's a credit to him. I mean, you know, a lot of guys can't do that. They can't sit in the pocket like he can and take those hits that he throws a freaking touchdown pass, you know. So, I mean, I think I can do those things too. So, I'm not going to be able to sit in the pocket maybe as well because I need to find my little holes. And, you know, I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm going to have to be a little different than Joe just because of the height difference. But I think there's more similarities than people think. Well, Joe had a good combine numbers, uh, Tom. But to be honest with you, you're going to run like a 4-5 or five at your pro day, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 it. That's the goal. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, look, Joe won the Super Bowl, the, the ultimate prize w- with the Ravens in 2013. Did you attend that game? Did you see the Super Bowl up close in, in the Superdome in New Orleans? Yeah, I was down in New Orleans, and uh, yeah, that was one of the best. That was a really cool experience to be down in New Orleans for the Super Bowl. I was hoping to go to more of them for Joe, and I think I could be going to more for Joe, but hopefully I go to my own, you know, so. So, kind of last question about Joe. Um, Do you think Joe will stay in Denver and be the backup to Drew Locke, or do you think he'll be going somewhere else in 2020? I I don't know. I really have no – I don't know as much as anyone else. Uh, I know Joe's willing to do whatever to stay in the league. That's pretty much all I know, and um, I really don't know. Okay. Um, Well, kind of this is the last question. We just kind of want you to make your sort of final sales pitch for you. Uh, why should an NFL team draft you? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of reasons. I'm not going to give a foul pitch. I mean, I'm, it's, it's because I, like, I've already given it. I can I can run an offense that you're looking to trying to do in the NFL. I can run an NFL offense, but I can do more than just that. And that's what you're seeing in the NFL now. You can see guys who are athletic who can run around, create plays. I think I can do that. So, I mean, what is your knock against me? What What is keeping me out of the NFL is my question to those people and, like I said, I just kind of said why I should be in the NFL. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, that was Tom Flacco. Good luck to you the, the rest of the way. All right. Thanks. Have a good one.
So let's get to the draft talk, and uh, let's get to those teams that have multiple picks in the first round. It includes the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Jaguars. So those teams have a lot of leeway, and they've got a lot of maneuvering power. If they want to all of a sudden trade up in the draft, they certainly have the capital to do it. So let's start with the Raiders, Ed. And Mike Mayock and John Gruden had a really good draft in, in 2019. They obviously shocked everyone by taking Cleland Farrell with that fourth overall pick. But even though he didn't have, I think, the, the type of season that everybody believed he might have, um, they certainly got contributions from, from other folks in the draft. And to be honest with you, Max Crosby was uh, a surprise in the fourth round. I mean, this is a guy that recorded 10 sacks during his rookie season. Uh, they've got Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback out of Clemson, who they picked up in the second round, also um, got better as the season progressed. And then Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau, they contributed and flashed their potential. So I would say Mike Mayock should get a solid B or a B-plus for the 2019 NFL draft. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I thought they had a pretty good draft. I mean, I thought they'd like really hit on some picks, and then some picks they didn't really hit at all. Um, well, I think it's incomplete right now. Cleveland Farrell, obviously, he had like four and a half sacks, I believe, so that's an incomplete. Obviously, they, they're going to be hoping that he gets better in, in year two. But they really hit on Josh Jacobs forgot to mention him, because he should have been the rookie of the year. Obviously, Kyler Murray walked away with the award, but when Josh Jacobs was healthy and in the lineup, he was the driving force for that offense. He gained over a 1,000 yards. He scored seven touchdowns. Um, Jonathan Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State, is an incomplete because he got injured and never played in a regular season game. But, you know, hitting on uh, Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro having a good year in the slot and, and coming on at the end of the year, I, I just thought Mike Mayock really did a, a solid job going with, and it seems like his theme was pretty simple. He went with players from big-time programs, uh, he went with winners. He went with guys who have great character. That that seemed to be the theme with the Oakland Raiders pick. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he went with a lot of senior bowl guys too. I think that was one of the themes. Um, you know, uh, it was kind of cool to see the year Max Crosby had. You know, considering we interviewed him on the site. Um, you know, good guy too. Um, I thought I thought um, I thought they hit on. You know, I mean, you, you've kind of hit on the Josh Jacobs and the, you know, the the Trayvon Mullins and Max Crosby's. But, uh, you know, another one I want to point out, and I, I've brought this name up before, is Foster Moreau. I think he's I think he's a legitimate I think he's a legitimate starting tight end in the league. And I think he's probably one of the better number two tight ends in the league right now. Obviously, there's been a lot of rumors about Derek Carr, whether he was going to be the starting quarterback going in the 2019 year. He had a good year, Ed. I mean, statistically, he had a good year. And then those rumors started up again. Is, is John Gruden giving up on Derek Carr? Is he going to bring in his quarterback in 2020? And Mike Mayock and John Gruden have gone on record to say Derek Carr will return in, in 2020. So that seemed to be an issue that needs to be closed at this point. I, I doubt that the Raiders are going to spend a high first-round pick on a quarterback. That might happen next year's draft, but not in this year's draft. They've got two picks, Ed. They've got one at 12 and at 19. What are the positions that you think they're going to attack in the 2020 NFL draft with those high two first round? Well, you know, I, I know one thing that they should go for is I think they should try to build up their offensive line a little bit. Um, I think you really, you really think that? I mean, they, they they've got good edge guys. They've got Trent Brown. They've got Colton Miller at left tackle and right tackle. You, you really believe that they're worthy? interior guys in this draft that you can spend, you know, a 12th or the 19th pick on? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like... I like I, See, I don't think so. See, yeah, I don't I, think so. I mean, they're, they're edge guys. I think they're going to be like five or six tackles taken in the first round. I think when it's all said and done, but I just don't think anybody is worth taking in, 
you know, as far as interior offensive linemen go. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the kind of two picks that I kind of thought about when I when I sort of thought about the Raiders was I kind of like at 12 for them going for someone like a C.D. Lamb or a T. Higgins because I think one of the two will be available. You know, get that sort of number one receiver. And then uh, I kind of like them getting a defensive guy at 24, um, maybe like a guy like Javon Kinlaw with a... 19. They've got 19, Ed. They've got the 19th pick. Yeah, right. I'd like to see them get someone like Christian Fulton, who's going to drop a little bit because of his, you know, sort of history. And uh, Javon Kinlaw, I mean, maybe, you know, a weaker senior bowl might put him in play at 19. Um, you know, whereas maybe in the past, you know, he was really thought of as a top 10 pick. Yeah, I think you've recognized those two positions that are uh, their biggest needs. Uh, wide receiver. And they probably should go wide receiver two or three times uh, during this draft because certainly it didn't work out with Antonio Brown and um, everybody that they had on the roster. I mean, Hunter Renfro is a good wide receiver, but he's a slot guy. And they need a legitimate number one and number two receiver. And uh, that that's definitely a need for them. And so anybody, I, I think Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, I think T. Higgins is a little bit high for number 12. Uh, but I think C.D. Lamb and Jer- Jerry Judy should be in the conversation because Mike Mayock has drafted Clemson guys with Farrell, and uh, he has drafted Josh Jacobs, an Alabama player. So I, I think that's going to be the question mark. And at 19, you hit it. Yeah, I think corner. Uh, there's This is a deep draft when it comes to cornerbacks, and there are going to be some guys available at the end of the first round, um, early day two, and I just think they need to go corner because Mullen – did progress. He did get better, but they need another guy. They they need another cornerback opposite of him. So, yeah, that that seems to be a good start. Do you see Mike Mayock trading up for somebody yet? Using those two picks and maybe jumping up into the top ten. See, I, I like the Raiders kind of keeping their two picks. I think there's I think there's a little bit of depth in this draft, and um, I, I, I I you know especially at certain positions of need, there's some depth. I mean. You know, positions like corner and wide receiver we've talked about where there's, you know, just like multiple guys that you could go with that would be good solutions. So I don't I don't think you need to trade up and get the exact guy. I think you can kind of wait and, uh, you know, you accumulate two first-round picks, so you bring in two basically starter-ready guys. So um, this is what the Raiders need. They don't need – they don't really need that one player. I think – I think they're a little bit still in that kind of best player available mode. You know, I don't think they're, I don't think they're in that mode where you know they just need to get that one player and that'll that'll fix the pieces of the puzzle. I think they're still kind of in that best player available mode. Try to get, try to get all the all the all the you know stack up all the talent that they can get. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jags, they have two picks as well in this draft and. Uh, They've got the ninth pick and the 20th pick in this draft. And you know what? In the 2019 NFL draft, another organization that did a really good job. If it wasn't for Nick Bosa, Josh Allen would have been the defensive rookie of the year. You and I underestimated him. We picked out, you know, we tore his game apart. And and we never thought that he was a generational type of pass rusher. Well, you know what? He proved us wrong. Josh Allen just came out of the gates. Even though he wasn't a full-time starter, he was mostly a situational guy. But they brought him in, and he, he tore it up in those passing situations. His job was to get after the quarterback, and that's exactly what he did. And then, you know, the Jacks hit on a sixth-round quarterback. Gardner Minshew had a good year. And Nick Foles went down with an injury. Mencho stepped in, and he had a good year. Passed for over 3,000 yards, had 21 touchdowns, took care of the football. And it, there are some people in the organization that believe that Mencho might be the future for that team, even though I'm sure they wouldn't want to bring in another guy to challenge him. And then they got Juwan Taylor in the second round, and he played. He went through some growing pains, but... Uh, he had a knee issue, which dropped him into the beginning of the second round. But Taylor played and played quite a bit at right tackle. And then Quincy Williams was a shocking pick, a linebacker out of Murray State in the third round. And he played in 11 games and started eight games for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They really hit on him because they lost Telvin Smith to, to start the year. And Quincy Williams 
I mean, he filled his role and, and played really well So before he went down with an injury in December. So the Jaguars, another team that had a good draft in, in 2019. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the other picks, but I think they hit on three or four guys. <clears throat> I wasn't as big of a fan of, of Quincy Williams as you were. Um, I thought... I wasn't a big fan of his either, to be honest with you. I thought that was the reach when, when they took him in the third round. But all that mattered was the Jacksonville Jaguars picked out a guy that they believe would fit their system, a guy that just flies around and makes plays. He's got sideline-to-sideline side speed. And I, I just I give credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars because when the pick was made, I was like, what? I mean, this guy was a late-round pick, an undrafted free agent. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, I, I think, you know, just kind of recapping it, Josh Allen, um, I think it's seven. I think he, he still kind of underplayed, you know, what I thought he could be um, or what he was expected to be. So I, I wasn't as excited. He would have been defensive. He would have been defensive rookie of the year, and if it wasn't for Nick Bosa out there. You and I both know that. I mean, check out his numbers. Again, it's like the Saquon Barkley, man. I mean, Saquon Barkley never got respect from you. We should give Josh Allen a little bit more respect, Ed. We didn't, and uh, we were wrong. It was a good pick at seven. They, they got a guy that can put pressure on the quarterback, and that's what they were looking at. Um, an outside guy, and Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars hit on that pick. Let's, let's go with what they'll do in 2020, Ed. Forget about the recap. We've already done that. They've got the ninth overall pick and the 20th pick. What are the positions that are they're, they're looking for? What are their biggest needs? Well, I, I like in this draft going for a receiver, sort of with that second pick. Um, but, you know, in the first pick, I'd like, to, I'd like to see them bolster that offensive line a little bit more. I mean, they went with Jawan Taylor last year, but I don't think they're done building that offensive line. Um, you know, a name I like maybe, you know, at, at, at the nine is, you know, if Andrew Thomas isn't there, is maybe a guy like Tristan Wirfs from uh, Iowa. Um, I think that, that would be a solid name. I think that would be the first. And, you know, with their, with their sort of uh, the, the second pick that they got, um, I'd like to see them I'd like to see them maybe go with a, with a you know, a, a, a more of a... Um, well, you said wide receiver, so is it is it your Colorado guy that that's going to be the the hot name here for the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, he is going to run a fast time at the combine. You know, I kind of I kind of like uh, you, you know what I really would like is uh, something like Kenneth Murray at number twenty. Uh, you know, get a linebacker. I'm not really impressed with the Jaguars linebackers. I thought I thought the Jaguars defense underperformed this year, and I think one of the reasons they underperform is the linebacking core. Uh, so I think a, like a guy like Kenneth Murray would be good with their second pick. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, that's you kind of surprised me with Tristan Wharf, though, because he's a right tackle. Jawan Taylor is their right tackle, hopefully for the next decade. So are we talking about Wharf replacing possibly Cameron Robinson? I didn't. I don't see Wharf as the left tackle in the NFL. Ed, are we talking about him moving to guard? You know. I guess I. Uh, I mean, we we got to dissect this. I mean, we got to think this. Jawan Taylor is a right tackle. They've got Robinson at left tackle, but I don't see Warps playing left tackle. He didn't play it in college, and there are a lot of people that feel that he's a guard at the next level. And obviously, I'm I'm asking a legitimate question. Do you think Warps will slide to offensive guard then for the Jacksonville? Well, maybe Jackson? you could put uh, Jawan Taylor at left tackle, and then you could put Warps at right tackle at least for the first year. You just don't like Cameron Robinson, do you? No, I mean, I thought he was overrated when, when they came off of the draft. I thought that was a weak tackle class. And, um, you know, I, I, it, 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 he, he got picked in the first round only really – or actually, I think he got picked in the second round. But the reason why he went so high was because there was no talent to tackle in that draft. I like the linebacker pick. I, I like the Kenneth Murray pick. They've got Miles Jack in the middle. He's coming back from an injury. But I think uh, Kenneth Murray can be that weak side linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars because I don't see him as a middle linebacker at the next level. Uh, he just runs around too many blocks. He's got sideline to sideline speed, and he he could do the job as a weak side linebacker in that 4-3 defense. I also like that you mentioned wide receiver. They, they do need a wide receiver in this draft, even though DJ Chark, uh, he had a good year, but... Um, they, they need another guy. So maybe LaVisca Chenault is a possibility at 20. 
We'll see how he does at the combine, but I'm, I'm sure he's going to impress with, with those numbers. And I also say corner, Ed. That's a possibility. You mentioned Tristan Wirfs with that ninth overall pick. Maybe Jeffrey Akuda from Ohio State. If he drops to nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars could jump at the chance because they, they need a corner as well. That's, that's one of their biggest needs. So corner, wide receiver, linebacker, and possibly offensive line. Let's get to the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins have three first-round picks in the 2020 NFL Draft. They've got a fifth pick, they've got the 18th pick, and they've got the 26th pick in this draft. You know, their returns from the 2019 NFL Draft, I say they're mixed. Uh, Michael Dieter, the third-round pick, he started 12 games, and then he got benched in December. That wasn't good. Then Christian Wilkins got off to a slow start. The defensive tackle from Clemson, who they drafted in the first round, he got off to a slow start, but he came on at the end of the year. I thought he was better in terms of getting after the quarterback. So the the future looks a little brighter. They didn't have a second-round pick because they spent it on Josh Rosen. So I would say the Dolphins didn't have such a good draft in 2019. What would you Yeah, I actually really didn't like any of their picks. Um if, if there's anyone that was kind of savable was uh, Christian Wilkins. I thought Dieter I, – I like Dieter uh, going into the draft, but he didn't have a very good year. Van Ginkle was on uh, IR. Prince, I, I think he ended up actually with the Bengals. So, I mean, that's kind of a wash. Uh, I don't think Chandler Cox made the team. And then Miles um, Gaskin, um, you know, he was on the team, but I don't think he had a great year. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't think the Dolphins had a very good draft last year. So there are plenty of needs, Ed, plenty of needs. They need a quarterback. They need offensive tackle, maybe even two. They need a couple of offensive guards. They, they really need to rebuild that offensive line. They need a running back. They need an edge rusher because this is a team that plays between – they switch between a 3-4 defense and a 4-3 defense. So ultimately they need a guy they can get after the quarterback. So let's start with number five, Ed. That seems to be the spot for the quarterback. Uh, do, do you believe that that's the direction that they're going to go? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a bidding war for Justin Herbert. I, I really feel like it's. I really feel like that number three spot's going to be traded down, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be the Chargers and the Dolphins who are going to bid for that spot, and um, you know we'll find out who likes Justin Herbert more. And I, re- I mean, there's really no way to. There's no way to telegraph that, but I think I think the Chargers and the Dolphins will both take a quarterback. Um, but it'll be interesting to see which one they like. Um, I think I, I legitimately think Justin Herbert is the clear number two quarterback in this draft, and I think there's a drop off at number three. So I think I think there is some bidding that will have to be done for that for that for that number th- uh, what I think is going to be the number three spot for those two teams to move up. It's going to be interesting. Obviously, quarterback is going to be the pick. Um, I differ with you on that. I think it's going to be two. Uh, to me, there's no question about it, but a lot of it depends how he how he passes his medical at, at the scouting combine. But you know what? When your owner sees a quarterback two times during the year, and their their owner, Dolphins owner, watched Tua play twice during the year, that says a lot. The ownership is going to be pushing for Tua. And it just depends who Flores wants and who Chan Gailey wants because Chan Gailey is the new offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. And he's had different quarterbacks in the past, so we'll find out whether it's Herbert or Tua. I think it's the Alabama quarterback. Where do you think they go at 18 and and 26? It's got to be offensive line. Maybe they they piggyback and they go back-to-back with the offensive line. Well, I think, I think, I think you know, offensive line is always overdrafted. I mean, you know, one of these guys like Werfs or, uh, and, you know, I've even seen Andrew Thomas dropping. Um, you know, maybe some people think he's going to drop. I mean, just I, I think they need to take some sort of offensive tackle because, to be honest with you, since they've lost Laramie Tunsil, they really haven't had a left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, they need a left tackle. They need a right tackle. They need offensive guards. They they need a lot of help. And a running back seems to be a popular pick with them at 26, Ed. Maybe DeAndre Swift, maybe J.K. Dobbins, maybe somebody else. A running back 
Might seem like a logical choice there at the end of the first round as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I like the fit of maybe a J.K. Dobbins. I think that would be an interesting pick. I'd also, I also wouldn't be surprised if they went with a receiver. You know, there's a lot of receiver depth in this draft. Maybe they'd like a guy, you know, maybe the kid from Baylor or something like that. I mean, it, you know, just, just some something something to sort of add to that offense. I mean, they, they really need to bolster up that offense. And I think, you know, if, if, if with the first two picks they get their quarterback and they get their uh, – their their offensive lineman, then maybe the next pick is a playmaker. You know, some somebody who can you know sort of be that you know sort of feature in the offense. All right, so that's those are the three teams that have multiple picks. The Las Vegas Raiders, I call them the Oakland Raiders. Now they're officially they're Las Vegas Raiders going into the 2020 NFL Draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. All three teams have firepower. If they want to move up, especially the Dolphins, they, they certainly have got that, that ability. Let's get to the cornerback out of Ohio State, uh, Jeff Akuda. He's been getting a lot of love uh, on Twitter, on the Internet. A lot of people have been mocking him at number three to the Detroit Lions. If the Lions don't trade down, they believe a cornerback seems like a logical choice. I'll tell you, Ed, I did an extensive study on Akuda. I spent a couple of days on him. Started, you know, the people started, com- I've heard just comparisons. I've heard comparisons to Jalen Ramsey. I've heard comparisons to Patrick Peterson. I just don't see it coming out. I'm not saying who Patrick Peterson and Jalen Ramsey have become. What I'm saying is those players, if you compare them to Akuda, he is... He can't stand on on the same platform as those two players, in my opinion. But Akuda is getting a lot of love as a top five, top ten pick. You and I both believe that that that's a bit too rich for us, and uh, we believe that he's one of the more overrated prospects as a result. Of that. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you a little bit. I know I know I've been saying that Okuda is overrated, but I went back and watched the film, uh, especially especially that Clemson okay. game. You know, there's a lot of things I like about him. I think he gets off the what did you like about him? Did you like the fact that he got beat by Justin Ross and T. Higgins on almost every play? Well, I, I thought I thought he showed a lot showed a lot of the little things well. I think he gets off blocks well. <laughs> um, he has some. I think he's very physical in coverage. Um, I think he, you know, he's versatile enough to play in the slot and the outside. I think he's a physical tackler. Um, I think I think he just plays with intensity. I think he has good awareness. You know, I think he has advanced awareness for a college corner. Um, and I think I think he's you know I, what I really liked is that I really gave him another chance with you know sort of how he stays in phase and how he mirrors the receiver and I really liked what I saw um, and I think I think he reads his tells with anticipation I think he does that at an advanced level so he's he's doing a lot of things at an advanced level and so I know I know I've been, I, when I first looked at the film I think this is a guy who is much improved and I think he's he's made himself a legitimate top ten pick with his tape. Well, I'm actually glad Ed is taking the the other, um, you know, the other flip of the coin. I, I love this. I mean, at least we can get an argument going. Look, Jeffrey Akuda is going to be a very popular name, especially after the combine, because he's got legitimate size. He's six feet, over 200 pounds. He's got long arms, extremely long arms, and a lot of a lot of NFL teams are going to love that. He's going to run a four-four. He's going to test off the charts. He's a good kid. So this talk about him being a top five, top ten pick, it's only going to pick up. But where I stand on this and where I believe that he's not a top ten pick is because when you start comparing him to Jalen Ramsey, who was just – his instincts were off the charts when he came out of Florida State. He could have played safety. He could have played corner. It didn't matter. I mean, this guy was always flying around, always around the ball. Patrick Pete. Peterson, he was probably one of the best athletes that I've ever seen, period, come out of college, um, along with Calvin Johnson and all those guys. The guy was just elite. Had to, you know, learn the fundamentals, clean up his footwork a little bit, but you could see that the guy was going to be a star. I don't see it with Akuda. I see the physical tools, Ed. I, I don't see him being a good press corner, uh, to be honest with you, because Ohio State played a lot of zone coverage this year, a lot, if you check out the tape, in 2019, and that's when he started. He's only a one-year starter. He doesn't get his hands on the receiver. He doesn't jam him. 
tries to mirror them, but he always gets beat off the line of scrimmage. He certainly has that closing speed that you need to be a good corner in this league. But you've got to get your hands on the receiver, man. I mean, you do, and he doesn't do that. He, that that's not his style. He, he either misses with the jam or he doesn't even attempt to do it. So as far as his press coverage goes, he's got a long way to go in that regard. I also was very surprised you said that he's very assignment savvy. You know, there are a few times, a couple of games that I saw, actually against Clemson as well, he looked confused. He was supposed to pick up the outside tight end, the wide receiver, and he didn't communicate it with his secondary partners. They blew the coverage. That was on Okuda when he was the outside guy. I felt like when he went up against T. Higgins, let's take that Clemson game in the national championship game because those are legitimate guys. Higgins is talked about as a late first round, early second round pick. Justin Ross is going to be a very high pick when he comes out. I didn't think he had a good game, and I don't know. Maybe we're watching something different, but it seemed like it seemed like Ohio. I mean, they they were willing to attack him. Clemson, Trevor Lawrence was looking at Akuda's direction early and often, especially because he knew that Akuda wasn't going to be able to do something. Ross and Higgins were making plays against him. And I felt a lot of it had to do with the fact that they believed that Higgins was a lot more physical than Akuda and he can't get off press coverage, in which he did. So it, it was very interesting that they didn't look in Arnett's direction. It was always Akuda. And Lawrence was looking there because he knew what, whichever wide receiver Akuda was covering, he was going to be wide open. See, I, I, think, I think that one of, the, one of the hallmarks of Jeffrey Akuda is that I think, I think he plays him with a lot of physicality, and I think that translates to being a guy who can bump off the line. I think he has the raw tools. I think he has the toughness. I think he has the intensity. I think when you project him at the NFL level, I don't worry about him at the line of scrimmage. Well, we'll see. The upside is definitely there, and that's what a lot of people are believing, that this guy is going to blow. I just don't see it. As a one-year starter, I, I think he's going to struggle a lot more than people give him credit for. When you play a lot of zone, which he did in 2019, it's an adjustment that you have to make at the next level. And just because you have those physical tools doesn't mean that you can play press corner well, in this league, which a lot of teams are going well, to ask. The thing is, is, he's a one-year starter at Ohio State. It's not like he's a one-year st- starter at, like, you know, a, a, a smaller school. It doesn't matter, Ed. It doesn't matter. You can be a one-year starter at Alabama, at LSU, at Ohio State. The, you become a very attractive prospect because you're from Ohio State and you're a one-year starter and you're a five-star recruit and you've got all the physical tools. And that's why people are projecting him to be a top five, top ten pick. There's no question in my mind that Akuda is going to be a top ten pick. I just don't think he deserves to be there. He doesn't match up with those corners that have come out from the past. When people talk about those glaring things, you know, Jalen Ramsey started 41 games in college, Ed, during his three-year career. Patrick Peterson started 30 games, and he played in 39 Akuda played during his freshman year, his sophomore year, and a lot of people are going to say, look, they, they have a DBU factory there. Akuda get, couldn't get on the field. If you're good enough, Ed, you're going to get on the field. doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a sophomore. He wasn't starting until his junior year. It says a lot to me. It's going to take quite a bit of time for him to adjust. But when we're talking about a top three, top five pick, that means the team is saying, look, we're going to throw him in there. He's going to be going against those number one wide receivers right away. We believe in him. Akuda is going to be great. That's where I think he's going to struggle, and it's going to take a lot of the learning curve for him to, to get to that level. He might lose that confidence because the team drafted him in the top five. They're like, hey, Akuda can match up with, with Julio Jones. He can match up with you know, DeAndre Hopkins. No, he can't. All right, that, that's not what the film says, and a lot of people are just, they're, they're fooling themselves, Ed. You've been fooled by the tape and by the upside that is apparently there. He's got a long way to go. That's, my, that's probably my biggest peeve. It's not the fact that Akuda is not going to be a good player at the NFL level. It's just people are getting fooled by the upside comparing him with, with the great players that have come out before him because he shouldn't be in the same sentence with Jalen Ramsey and Patrick Peterson. That's what makes me mad a little bit. See, 
All right, let's. Well, I, I well, mean, I was just gonna go say, ahead. I think, I think when I, you know, when I saw the earlier film, I wasn't as impressed. I didn't really quite understand why he was being projected so high. But when I went back and watched the film again, and I really saw how much better he got at mirroring and his agility, I just, I, I, I changed my mind. I actually like Damon Arnett better than Akuda. I'll say it on record here on the podcast. I think he's going to be a better player. And uh, if you give me Damon Arnett. In the second round, I'd take him. And there's no way I'd take Okuda in the top five or top ten. Just too rich for me. That's that. That's what it comes down to. Let's get to the quarterback that the, the Chargers and Phillip Rivers have gone their separate ways, Ed. And um, Rivers have, has moved on. He moved to Florida. Is that a signal that he's going to sign with the Tampa Bay Bucks? Is that a good fit for him? I mean, that, that's how they connect the dots with, you know, Rivers being a family man and his, fa- you know, he's, he's sort of, his wife's family is sort of in Florida. And so, you know, the, you know when you connect the dots, you think, okay, uh, you know, Tampa might be the right spot. But I, I think there are going to be more teams bidding for him. Um, you know, I think, I, think, uh, I think this will be a really interesting free agency period as far as quarterbacks. I mean, um, you know, it looks like Brady's going to test the market. I mean, you know. You talk to you talk to Patriot fans, and they they say really it's it's truly you know it's you know the relationship between Bill Belichick and Brady has fallen apart, and so um, you know I, I do I do want to say that I thought I thought that the you know what for what Phil Rivers has done for the Chargers, I thought they could have been a little bit more ceremonial. I thought they could have been a little bit more. Um, you know, honoring of what he did for that franchise because he did do a lot for that franchise. He never won them a Super Bowl, but he did a lot of great things. And so, um, you know, he won a lot of games for them. So I, I think, I think it was a little bit disappointing to see how the Chargers just kind of let him go. It's a business, Ed, and I think the Bucks and Philip Rivers. I thought that would be a good fit with Bruce Arians' offense. Philip Rivers likes to throw deep and. Uh, He's got those two wide receivers, the Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, he's got the tight ends. They've got the weapons, and I would love to play for the Bucks because I think Philip Rivers can do a better job, at, even though he hasn't done that the past couple of years. But I think he's, he's shown that he can be capable. If they have a good offensive lineman in front of him, that he can take care of the football, and he can be better in that regard than Jameis Winston. And I think Rivers will come at a cheaper price than Winston. So, in my opinion, Bruce Arians is going to jump at the chance. And also the Colts. I would say the Indianapolis Colts makes, make a lot of sense for Phillip Rivers as well because they've got a great offensive line. They, still, they have a running game. They found one last year. And they got T.Y. Hilton. And so I know that the Colts are going to address the wide receiver position most likely early, whether it's in the first round or on day two. I think that would be a really attractive one. So, Phillip Rivers to the Colts or the Bucks, And... Um, I, watch out. And, and those teams are close. We know the Colts' defense is good, and the Bucks' defense showed promise last year. So, to be honest with you, if I want to win, if I'm Phillip Rivers, I would definitely look at those two situations because they just make too much sense to me. Uh, let's talk about the XFL to close the show. We just, we've got to do it. Add eight teams and, you know, season, football season is continuing. And there are a lot of head coaches, big-time head coaches on the sidelines. What do you think about the XFL? Because I just watched the highlights, and I know you watched the game. And uh, tell me your thoughts be- before I get to well, it. I think right now it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's minor league football. It's, you know, the guys who would have been sort of free agents if, you know, more injuries had happened and, um, you know, those are, that's kind of like the top of the league. That's the starters. I mean, there's no there's no real star power in this league. Um, you know, I th- I think it's I mean it, it's football it's football and it's football that continues. I mean, I think that's the attractive thing about it for football fans is, you know, you can still watch football on the weekends. You know, Saturday and Sunday. You know, if you, if you, if you, if you if if that's what you like to do. Um, you know, I think I think they're kind of in the honeymoon of ratings right now. I mean, I remember last year the narrative with the AAF was, oh, you know, it has higher ratings than the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's four games going on. You know, there's four games to watch. So, I mean, it was it was all sort of concentrated. Um, I think I think there's some interesting things to think about. You know, in the future. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to mention on the podcast was. Um, you know, the way Roger Goodell reacted to the XFL, I mean, maybe he's playing the PR game, 
But I really thought it was interesting where he, he sort of said, he, he sort of, I'm paraphrasing, but he sort of said this would be good for the game of football. And I just thought, you know, well, I mean, this didn't sound like, you know, Roger Goodell was going to try to squash the XFL, but he actually he actually thought it would be a good complement for, for the NFL. And so I thought that was kind of interesting, and maybe there there are some there are some things that the XFL can do. I mean, you've talked about this before, but maybe you know it could be an opportunity for guys who don't want to play college football that want to get a paycheck early, you know, after high school. This would be an opportunity for them to play some professional football before they get eligible for the NFL draft. Um, you know, I think I think that. I, I, I think there, you know, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see sort of how it plays out with the XFL as far as, uh, you know, college athletes getting paid, you know, will, will the XFL have to compete with college athletes getting paid? Obviously, you know, if you can go to college and get paid, you know, that seems more attractive than, you know, playing in the XFL. So I think there's a lot of unknowns with this league. Absolutely, but the ratings were really, really good, and you know I like the fact that the big networks are behind the XFL, the ABC, ESPN, Fox Network. They're they're putting their best teams out there. They're putting commentators out there. They're interviewing head coaches on the sideline in between plays. They're interviewing players after big plays. That's entertaining. I mean, the XFL is trying to bring football closer to your TV set. I also think a lot of people can't go to an NFL game, Ed. The, the tickets are just way too expensive. But the XFL is a little more friendly. I mean, it seems like a lot of, for a family of four, you, you can attend the game for 100 bucks. So, that, you know, you, to a lot of NFL games, you can't go for 100 bucks yourself. So in that regard, and they've got Vince McMahon with big pockets who's willing to spend. So I would say there are a lot of things working with this. And I like the fact that they're tinkering with some, some rule changes. I like the kickoff where they, they can't move until the guy receives the, the kick and he starts running with it. That's kind of interesting. I like the two-point conversions as well. I mean, you've got a choice of scoring, you know, two points or three points or five points. They, they give you different, you know, you can start from the two or the five-yard line to, to score. I, I think that's an interesting concept. You try to make football a, a little bit faster and a little bit more entertaining because with all these replays that the NFL is doing, it's slowing the game down. I also like the fact that the official has got a couple of balls next to him. Just one guy having a couple of footballs, and he's just putting it in there, and, and the clock starts really quickly. I mean, the X, XFL is trying to speed up the game, so we focus on football and not what happens in between plays. So I, I like that. I like the fact that the XFL is experimenting with some things, and I think the NFL might take a page out of this. So it's going to be good. And I've always been, you, you know this, I feel like there's always got to be a league that has to act like a minor league type of you know, setting for the NFL. Baseball has this. The XFL could become that for the NFL. Guys could get shots. Um, obviously, it's a good time for them to get noticed. NFL teams are, are going to be paying attention to them, and they'll invite them to, to training camps. So I'm hoping it's going to work out because, look, the more football, the better. Even though it's it's not the NFL with all the star power, but I thought XFL did a good job during the opening day weekend. So that was well done. Well done by Vince McMahon and, and Luck, who's running the league. They, they've done uh -huh. a good job. This was Blitzcast, this was Blitzcast number 95. Uh, we'll come back next week. Thank you for listening.